welcome to the Nightcap. Uh, we're back for an Ask Us Anything edition four, I believe. Thanks so much for sending so. your questions and comments in. We've had loads of them and we'll continue to do it. Um, how you doing, Paul? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, you just, you're at home this afternoon. What you, what's the agenda for the day? Getting ready for April, is it? Um, well, there's not much to do, really. I... Um, <laughs> I uh, I made a point of when I realised when the announcement came through the other day of just messaging all my team and friends. Yeah. It just said, everyone in hospitality, do you realise that we're closer to the start of lockdown three than the end of it? <laughs> yeah, that's that'll knock you back down to earth a bit. Yeah. yeah. So I, I saw someone post that on Instagram and I thought, well, now I've felt that and let that sink in. Everyone yeah. else fucking has to. So <laughs> Yeah, man, that's exactly yeah. right. It, it's, it's, no, like joking aside, it is positive to have some kind of plan we've not opened our booking systems up yet and we probably won't for another few weeks there's no point for yeah. two reasons really one that um don't want to go through the rigmarole of cancer and people again just because mm-hmm. there's no point we've got oh, three it's a months. horrible day's work as well for jack that yeah exactly he's had to do it so many times <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. um and uh, yeah and then it's then the people want to move it and it's like do you move it and then you cancel them again? We've been through that so many times. So I just said to Jack, let's not worry about it. Anyone who wants a really specific date, we'll just keep a note of them and we'll let them know first when we open it up. Nice. But even if we open it up a few weeks before, it'll still it'll still fill yeah. up the demands there. Of course. And also the other reason is that um, you know, we I don't know what to sell it on. I don't want to like part fill the restaurant social distancing and then lots of twos things relax and then all of a sudden I could have done more covers so I'm protecting yeah. the business as well. Yeah, nice mate. That makes perfect sense. Is that been, for the, from mates and people in the industry you've spoken to, has that been the general consensus amongst like... I haven't like, really spoke to anyone about it no. really. No, I think only Simon Halston and he was kind of feeling the same and we're both like, obviously we don't have outside areas so we, you know, there's no April option for yeah. us. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah that's, that is a weird one that, isn't it, when you think about it? because yeah. you're so I mean for not for maybe restaurant high end restaurants but for a lot of pubs that some have no beer gardens some have huge beer gardens mm, I mean that yeah. is just such a, and then the weather dependency yeah. oh god it's a minefield I don't envy the, that situation. I wish I was in that like umbrella business you know those big big, big umbrellas yeah. <laughs> the, the big oh, station so ones I was talking about this the other day are you allowed marquees without the sides on ooh now, I don't know the answer. But it's I'd sort of a grey area, so. that. Because it's basically a big tent with no yeah. sides. I assume if it had sides, then you're basically, that's just another, you've just created another big room. So that is indoors. Well, I think the rule should be, because there's a lot of places that are like, is that a smoking area? <laughs> yeah. I think if you can smoke there, then that should be classed ah, as outside. Good. That should yeah. be the standard, I think. Nice. Off yeah. my head. Yeah. If I was right. in power, I'd be like, yeah, if you can smoke there, they can eat there. <laughs> And drink that. What a slogan that is. <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. I love that. Okay, nice. Well, let's crack into it, shall we? Uh, our first question is from Nick, uh, Chef Nick L, who says, uh, what is your biggest regret as a chef? Going quite deep for the first question. I know, yeah, straight in there. Sorry, biggest yeah. regret as a chef? I suppose, I don't know which way you'll take this, but um, any thoughts? I genuinely 100% don't have any. Yeah. Like 100% I don't have any. That's not to say I wouldn't do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't, I don't regret. I think especially when, you know, when I'm feeling in a good place as well, personally, I'm like, well, I'm here because of that, that, you know, without getting even deeper, the butterfly effect or whatever, um, or sliding doors kind of thing. Uh Um, yeah, no, there's nothing of, you know, yeah, I've made mistakes and yeah, I've, you know, burnt some bridges early days and I've had some great experiences, but I wouldn't change any of it genuinely. But if I were to do it again, I would do it differently obviously because i'm a different person now sure yeah i was gonna ask that would it, you know any of the sort of the boiling point stories where you felt like you either let yourself down because you just unleashed on someone do you reckon you do it's those things you'd do differently maybe? yeah yeah definitely would i'd um you know yeah the how how i've reacted i would do those differently and some of the things of you know some of the boiling points that i probably won't ever talk about on the podcast <laughs> yeah god to think that there is a little drawer of stuff you not even you'll say that yeah is, that's interesting yeah there is uh there is i'll have to get those <laughs> out of you without microphones yeah we'll, when we can have a drink together yeah. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about them it's not not like it's nothing that's going to get me arrested <laughs> <laughs> i hope not <laughs> um but yeah just things i'm not not really like proud yeah. of as such and um 
I guess yeah. you, you did that thing where you're looking up into the sky, remembering those things now. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, no, there are some things. That... Yeah. And, but again, it's like, I, I'm not going to sit here and defend if I've misbehaved. But at the end of the day, that's where, that's how I've become now, I think, a good leader and a good manager. Yeah. And I can inspire people. And I've learned from that and I've learned from my mistakes and just because you do bad things doesn't mean you're a bad person exactly that's mate the, yeah cheers for that needed that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's move. wistfully looking up into yeah. the memory banks <laughs> yeah. okay let's move swiftly on from that one then uh, next one's from Peter Bryan who says how judgmental are you when people cook for you oh I'm genuinely not genuinely not at all because I think people are more scared of you that do you know, I think people are almost just they've they've got this idea that you'll be really judgmental before you yeah, turned up. Do you know what I mean? They have, and I'm, I'm not. I'm so I'm easily pleased, um, and it is nice, honestly, really nice, just to go around people's houses and be cooked for because yeah. it just it never happens. Very, we, we've spoke about this before. I've yeah. been around yours a couple of times to eat, and I remember saying just people just don't invite me around. <laughs> You know, like in fear of disappointing you for some reason. Yeah, for years when I was with when I was with Rihanna, we were you know we'd always moan like nobody invites us for dinner parties, but they want to come to us. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is fine. I don't mind cooking for people. I enjoy it, but but still, it's nice just to go around and be cooked for. And I'm not going to start judging because how arrogant would it be for me to judge somebody on my my skills? Yeah, that'd be so cringe. It'd be like it'd be like I'm not going around to that comedian's house because I'm not funny. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. What? Why? What are you talking about? Or it'd be just like me going into McDonald's or a harvester and sitting there and just <laughs> nailing the food. Oh, like, Christ. you know what to expect. So, so just judge it on the expectations. But no, that genuinely, mean? it's a good question because, yeah, just people, when you can, just invite me round, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to be cooked for. I don't care if it's shit. <laughs> well, that, do you, is there any part of you that, like, obviously, I believe you when you say that, but is there a part of you that also, whenever you go around maybe to people's... You can see they've put some effort in because mm-hmm. they want to try and impress you. Do you feel then obliged to comment? Because you can see that they've put effort in to try and impress you. Do you then feel obliged to comment and you'll sometimes lie? Ooh. Well, I've not been in that position, but I probably would feel a bit obliged to comment. I'd be... Because you can see yeah. that they're doing it, but they're nervous because it's you. Yeah. And then and even if you're not that impressed, you still feel like, oh, thanks, you know, it was really good. Yeah, I wouldn't be like, <laughs> why, why did you bother going so much effort for this shit? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, yeah, it just, it's just polite. If you can see that somebody's really proud of it, then I think you should make the point of it. Like, it's, it's like if, I don't know, you wouldn't go around someone's house and it's not your style, but they put loads of effort into the decoration. You might think it looks a bit wank, but you can see they've put loads of effort in. <laughs> yeah, you, effort, yeah. you acknowledge it, don't you? Uh, yeah. And just because it's not to your taste. or I mean, that's slightly different because... I mean, it might be technically bad, which is unforgivable. Yeah, <laughs> is it like they've, that'd be like them painting around a wardrobe or yeah, something. That, yes, that shortcut, a cowboy method. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you um, do, have you sort of like seen it happen with either colleagues or friends in the industry over you know over the years where they now are working at a really nice restaurant either with you or for someone else, and then you can see them get a little bit above their station and just start judging everything else around them. Yeah, you do. You see it in. Um, do, if you ever see it, you see it in younger chefs. Generally, right. they're a bit cocky and they'll start getting a bit, you know, a bit sure of themselves. Um, uh, I don't, I don't think I was like that really. I mean, I was cocky in some respects. Still, am in some ways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't think I ever got above my station ever. I think I was always quite aware of that, and I, I don't like that trait really of uh, you know get, getting above yourself and course, you know yeah. criticizing people that. Yeah, aren't to your level for whatever reason, mm-hmm. unless they've been a dick, and then then just knock them. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Okay, next one is from Master Gold sixty nine, who says, "Is there a divide in the kitchen between uh, sections? So between like the kitchen and the pastry section?" Mm. Mm, good I question. Just wanna, I just want to know if he was born in sixty nine or if that's his favourite number. <laughs> I bet it's the latter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, good question though. Is there like a divide? I, I mean, not even necessarily with just like you know one section and another, or like the front and house in the kitchen. Is there, is there a divide there? Do you think? Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of places there is. Again, it depends on like to go just look at kitchen. Traditionally, there's a divide between 
hot kitchen or main kitchen and pastry traditionally there is so smaller kitchens and and bigger because like pastry in some places it's it's a skilled thing and, and some pastry chefs will just be pastry chefs yeah. some chefs will just do the hot side some like myself will try and do it all and and it all because i see it's all it's cooking mm-hmm. um but generally if you specialize in pastry they tend to be they're like the goalkeepers in football ah, they train on their own interesting yeah, yeah that just comes to me that i've not thought of that before no that's I think, good and I was listening to um, an old Peter Crouch podcast. He talks about the goalkeepers are different and they're training on their own and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but they're, they're, yeah. Famously, like those footballers have commented on goalkeepers being like a different breed. Yeah. But I don't know whether that's negative or positive, but is there an element with pastry chefs where you can almost tell a pastry chef before you knew they are one sort of thing? I think generally speaking, not not always, generally speaking, what are, yeah. What is it? What, what are those um, It's hard to put your finger on. Because um, it's something that I always try and um, I enjoy, always in, try and encourage anyone who works for me to cover all in sections and enjoy it all and yeah, get the most of all of it. So, no, I, I hate that. Like, I think there's something we have touched on before as well. The you know the old exec chef little bit of a uh, little bit sexist woman comes in the kitchen pastry you know <laughs> yeah, yeah that's classic. for girls yeah, yeah it is classic school. and you don't see much of it anymore and uh, like laura who works for me my sous chef that used to happen to her um and you know i encouraged her to just you know get stuck in and she really started to shine once she'd um once she'd done that but in her earlier earlier years it was oh yeah you're a girl you do pastry wow that's <laughs> mental it? yeah i mean hopefully that like is that. really starting to stop i mean especially when you just look at you know there's women there that achieve something that most of us won't like claire smith uh-huh. oh god <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> what um what about like if, uh, hopefully this isn't like too sort of interrogative a question because i just don't have a clue but is there difference with pay with, uh, there shouldn't be exclusive pastry no. chefs or uh, oh right, exclusive pastry chefs. Um, so if you're hiring, like oh, we need a pastry chef, are they coming at a, a higher price than? Just they, they, yeah, they kitchen? can do. It's quite, it's quite convoluted, really. I think again, it depends on the size. If you run a big high-end hotel, then a pastry chef is a head of department, a head mm-hmm. of head of pastry yeah. is probably is falling just under the head chef. Yeah. So not in line with, so head chef is responsible for kitchen all over and then the pastry are falling just under there. Yeah. So it's a it's a specialist thing when you're, when you're talking about a big hotel, you, you can't just drop in from, you mm. know, the meat and fish section and drop in and run the pastry. It doesn't, oh, yeah. it doesn't work like, it becomes more than a section. So it's salt, pastry is a section. So any good chef to party should be able to handle it. Cool. Uh, but as a big hotel, you can't just run the sauce section and then go, I'll go and run pastry now. Yeah. So again, it does depend on the place. So, yeah, in a in a five star hotel, you know, it does quite you know, it covers a lot of afternoon tea, a lot of those more pastry um, special things. Then, yeah, there would be slight differences in pay, and they would you know demand more money. And fair enough, because it's supply demand. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Last question on this, um, and I, I'm really excited to ask it actually because I don't think we've ever talked about this before. This could be a whole subject mm. for a guest, I reckon, on one episode. So. In loads of, and I've heard this on sports podcasts, you know, like team building exercises. Yeah. And obviously, you know, maybe in a, not like a salt, like a smaller restaurant um, where everyone knows everyone because it's like 10 of you, but like, you know, a big hotel where there's 20 front of house staff, mm-hmm. you know, a huge restaurant. Have you ever been a part of like team building days where they go, right, we're closing the, or like the hotel's restaurant's closed on Monday, everyone's going paintballing. Or we're all going to do that. Like, have there ever been forced days out to get those, like the front end house? So it's so there isn't a separation between one section and another. To try and force everyone together. Yeah, there is, and I think uh, there has been. It's mainly been. Have been there bad? has been some team building stuff, and the, but it's mainly been um, like uh, out for lunch and drinking together. Sure, you know, yeah, yeah. it's a form nice of team support. building, isn't yeah. it? Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, I remember it. I really stuck out when I first went to Sats. Um, I started in the January, and I I went to the Christmas party, even though I hadn't worked Christmas. Mm. And the Christmas party was a day out, like quad biking, blindfolded, um, off roading in a Land Rover, driving. Um, nice. Well, a few other things and a picnic. And I just remember the the real theme of film uh, theme of the team being one. And I, it's not something I really experienced. Most places used to always have 
front of house, back of house divide. And yeah, yeah, it's bullshit when you really think of it. You know, you're all after the same goal, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You get the negativity of the, you know, the pay is slightly different between the two sometimes. The, um, the work hours are different and you get this negativity or they get this side gets special treatment, this side doesn't, or the chefs get more credit. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that all plays into the, the whole divide. I think this is definitely a subject we could talk yeah. in length about. But it's something I've really done with salt from the start to really make sure there's no, no divide that the, the customers notice at all. Because it, it does ultimately come back to them and the customers notice it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, one I, team, one dream. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, because like, I've I've experienced a few in my time where the company will have a day out and it's like, you know, we're at a race course and we'll hire out six rooms and then we'll do like cringy, quote-unquote, fun activities that are also <laughs> got a business metaphor behind them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know whether, does that ever happen in the hospitality industry, like that sort of stuff? Not so much. No. Not so much. I did it. That's a good um, thing, mate. Trust me. Yeah, yeah it's, I'm not down for cringy. I just can't do it. I, uh, it's just. Makes I feel me, like uh, the hospital, like people within the hospitality industry, would just call that stuff out straight away. <laughs> yeah. I feel. Do you know what I mean? I don't feel that you just won't suffer fools with that stuff. Yeah, I've been to one, and um, it was when I was working at Tuddenham, but it wasn't like an all-inclusive team thing. It was just head chefs and GMs from the small group. Yeah. We all got together. I went to a hotel called Monkey Island. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's it's in Bray, actually. Was, it's not was far it on the roundabout? The Is that why? No, it's on the Thames. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. lovely. Sounds great. Um, quite a random little hotel. And the word team, I can't remember exactly what they're team building things, but they were linked to the business and how we can improve and inspire. And I just found it a bit corporate, a bit American, yep. a bit mm-hmm. cringy. Um, so no, the things we do at Salt is, uh, let's say if we have a Christmas party, we'll, you know, we'd do escape rooms and go for lunch and have a drink or yep. uh, go-karting and, you know, things a lot of places do, but genuine fun things. Yeah. Not, nice. um, yeah. Not just uh, let's let's firm, but try and let yeah let's inspire the world like hiring guy a, thinking yeah hiring a room out at a hotel which has a overhead projector oh fuck no <laughs> anytime I think of that team building I just think of episode four series one of the office <laughs> I just I love it yeah <laughs> two girls probably I'm just watching. <laughs> Um, it's been a rape up there. <laughs> okay, great. Right, next one. This is from Brett, who works at Salt, who says, Paul, are you now convinced that cycling is a real sport? <laughs> Brett gets loads of stick for this at the restaurant. Yeah, I thought um, so. That's why I thought I'd bring this one up. Yeah, so yeah, Brett, for anyone who doesn't know, he runs the cookery school at Salt. Um, he's a mad cyclist. He's really good, actually. He does like crazy miles. I was going to say, you, you've mentioned it to me before that he's actually like properly good. Oh yeah, he is. He's like, yeah, he's really big on it and really passionate about it. So anything anyone's passions about, they get a bit of ribbon. <laughs> like, yeah, because you standard. have. I do this with, with like uh, certain things. When you when you're so passionate about something, you end up having a sense of humour fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you, do you know what I mean? He bites. He yeah. bites so you just, easy. You can't help it, do you? It's like if Man United lose and people want to joke, I'm just not ready to joke about it yet. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You just you can't help it. And it's, I imagine that's the same with Brett with cycling. Yeah, it is, and uh, we'll we'll just be sat down having staff lunch like we were last week, and I'll um, I'll just mention that you know because I, I enjoy cycling, I, I really do I get a lot out of it. Like we've spoke about it before, yeah. and on this podcast, um, is it a real sport though, mate? Um, I always tell him it's a pastime. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I've got to say. It's it's just- just- Cycling's great. It's such a good pastime. It's too <laughs> oh, too one-dimensional to be a sport. And just, God, he bites straight away. <laughs> I think no sport can be a mode of transport. Yes, yeah. You, you know, if it's cycling as a means to getting to work, that is not a sport. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, so exactly. Anyone, yeah. anyone can cycle. Yeah. <laughs> Can't they? Yeah. And I also wind him up about his, one of his second passions. What is uh, that? I, uh, well, he loves... Um, like, I love pretty much any sport, right? But there's a couple I struggle with, and one of them is helmet rugby, NFL. <laughs> oh, NFL, mate. Yeah, I yeah, feel like I'm in the minority actually, because I feel like it's catching a real wave in this country at the moment. Like all my mates have got a team, and I'm like, how yeah. have you got a team? Like, what? I don't I've tried, mm. but that and baseball just don't understand. Nah, I'm the, with you. But, yeah, basketball, love it, but nice. helmet rugby, no thanks. <laughs> no yeah. thanks, buddy. <laughs> is he? And Brett's big into that, is he? Yeah, he's a Packers fan. Oh. Yeah, and yeah, he's well big, well big into it. 
Bless him. So he likes his two pastimes. <laughs> so there you go, Brett. No, it's not a sport. It's a pastime. Uh, okay, next one from Thomas, who says, with the hospitality, with the possibility, sorry, of restaurants opening soon, where's the first place you're going to go to eat out? That's such a hard question, isn't it? Well, oh, do, do you have choice. an idea? I, it sounds so boring, but I can't wait. Less so maybe even for the food, but I just can't wait to go back to my local and just sit in there for ages. Yeah. Like without, without just not worrying about, oh, it's three, three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and yeah. I'll, I'll wander home at whenever, you yeah. know, and just, just have that carefree, like just wander in mm-hmm. and go, hey, should we just get a bowl of cheesy chips to share? Like, yeah. just, just a spontaneous exactly. lounging around in the pub. I, that is what I just want to do first, more so than even booking a restaurant. Because also between the lockdowns when it was a bit more controlled, we were able to do that a bit. So it feels mm-hmm. like not a million miles you know, ago. Yeah, but we, you know, uh, Haley and I were lucky enough to go to Ophine, for example, yeah. uh, last sort of September time. So I, I feel like we've done it, but just to be able to sit in the pub and not worry about screens and yeah, not worry about masks, a and curfew, yeah, and curfews, masks, not worry about like having to order a scotch egg because you want to drink, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, order, I, ordering the cheesy chips because you want them, not because exactly, oh, I have to have that to have a drink. Sitting there getting cold so I can stay drinking. Actually, yeah, I, they're going to question me. Fair play to Boris actually mentioning the scotch egg in his address to the Houses of Parliament as a oh, bit of a it? joke. Yeah, in his in the main at like three thirty on the Monday or whatever it was, <laughs> he goes and for hospitality you will be able to, and you can get rid of the scotch egg. He literally said that. In the, Did he? Yeah, it was part of his. <laughs> He got a giggle. He got a laugh. It was amazing. I played to him for that. What about I, you? Where I, are you going? I haven't. Um, I didn't listen to it, so I don't know. But when it was on, Laura, my sous chef, she texted me saying about saying I understand. He said I understand how difficult it's been for hospitality, especially for women. Yeah. I Why? don't. I don't know what that point was. He was trying to make. If anyone could clarify what was going on in his head, I don't know. Is that a definitely word for word? He said, especially... Um, words to that effect. She just texted me and she and I read it. I was like, oh, I'm not watching. What, what, what does that mean? It might have been in his evening one or something. Wow, I, I didn't I, catch that. That makes no sense. Yeah, did I don't know. I'll have to... I've not seen it yet. I'll, I'll see her at the restaurant tomorrow. I'll ask her more about it. That is bizarre if you did. Mm. Hopefully not. Yeah. Very backward thinking that. <laughs> Unless there's something... No, there can't be anything that I'm not thinking of. Nah. Wait a minute. What does? Oh no! I was thinking of other professions that would come under hospitality, but no, hospitality mm. is literally just kitchens, restaurants, pubs. Yeah, and if it was something that was quite obvious, it'd spring to my mind being no. in the industry. But I if don't know. If he said that, he's fucked it there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Next one is from Ian, who says, "What is the biggest question you've ever had after watching a film?" I've got a few. Good. Good question. Have you got any? Um, I've, I've got one. If you've got a few, rattle yours off first, mate. Um, first one, does Ben Affleck, ben Affleck, ben Affleck feel guilty when he gets paid? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Any film particularly that you thought that after watching? He's the same character in every single film he's ever done, isn't he? But he's just good as... Will Hunter or Batman, he is the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it really worked in Gone Girl because I think he was meant to be this like wooden character with no emotion. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. I'll do it in every other film. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> so does he feel any guilt when he picks up his paycheck? <laughs> is is my I, biggest question. I bet he doesn't, but no. this is a great question. Yeah. Um, Inception... Is he still dreaming, Leo? Ooh, oh, mate. I, it's one of those films you could just think about forever, couldn't you? Because it's just yeah. a minefield. Do you and think he's still dreaming? they've done that on purpose. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And they've done that on purpose to keep people yeah. chatting so, about it, isn't they? I, do you know what I noticed the other day? Inception comes up as like a cultural reference point quite often, I find. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Do you, do yeah. you like, say you like... like not in the pub, but you know, you're all chatting with your mate, and then oh, and Inception will somehow work its way as a reference point for like, I don't know, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit Inception of you, mate. Or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We talk about that film as it as if it was like out two years ago, and yeah, it's like yeah, now actually like twelve ye- or thirteen years wow. old. Uh, but it's yeah. it's really sort of stuck with everyone's minds. I feel that film more than yeah. I, I yeah, I've used it as well. If I ever. Um, if I ever have like a lucid dream, I'll yeah. just be like, yeah, it was really Inception dream. There you go, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's weird, that, isn't it? They've done well to do that, I mm. think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joker, 
Mm. One of my top five films, I think. Great, it's incredible. Great film, sorry. Incredible film. Yeah. Like, I do, and I've looked into this loads. Like, how much of it was in his head? I'd love to know. I think, yeah, I think it's just fabulous. And you don't want to know the answers because it's just yeah. trying to understand his psyche and everything. Absolutely. Um, yeah, because that, um, uh, without, I mean, I feel like you can't say it. Uh, Spoiler alert! Do we have to say mm. spoiler alert anymore? I don't know. It's been out. It's been out two years nearly. Yeah. That film. Um, yeah. You you realise a part of the way through the film, there's a big twist, isn't there? Yeah. Where you realise, oh God, he'd imagined all that. Yeah. And and that it that was it was like gut wrenching. You know the bit when she walks in. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, oh my God, he's imagined. Yeah. So so then, how much of the rest of the film did he imagine? That is no, a good no, question. Yeah. That is a really good question. And my last question. Mm. Did Remy ever get a Michelin star in Ratatouille? <laughs> oh, oh, surely. surely, surely he did. Surely the- he got one. It's France. You get them like sweets out there. <laughs> exactly that. Plus the fact you've got a you know a mouse head chef. I mean that is it's good marketing for for a start. I yeah. think I think for sure he did. Yeah. I don't want to live in a world where Remy didn't get one. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm Maybe there should be. Has there ever been talk of a Ratatouille too, or Ratatouille? Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Oh, spelled that's made for Just spelled it, isn't it? differently, yeah. Yeah. Those idiots if they've not thought of that. Yeah, where he opens up a second restaurant, bit of a chain. And <laughs> yeah, starts a chain. Or he's, you know, he's <laughs> like, just depressed, living on alcohol yeah. and coffee. And he gets three Michelin stars, then he doesn't know where to go from there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I've got one question. Go on in. And it's, I don't want this to come across like, what's the word? Basically, it's a Harry Potter-based one. Okay, I'm just right up my street. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a big Harry Potter fan at all. I wouldn't even say I'm a fan, but oh. I've, I've seen them all. Yeah. And enjoyed them, genuinely. But I just don't, yeah, yeah I, I, never, it was, I never read the books, so I've just, I've not got that emotional thing for it. So you However, don't go to the Harry Potter shop in Stratford? Uh, I, no, I haven't, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> so at the very end of the last film, Deathly Hallows Part 2, Mm-hmm. The climax to the entire thing, which you could argue is the climax to the entire eight films or however many there are, yeah. is this wand that yeah. is the greatest, most powerful wand The ever. elder wand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he just breaks it in half and chucks it in the river. Now, yeah. I feel like my question is, how can the best and greatest wand ever be as breakable as a twig? Yeah. That makes no sense to me. I feel like that it was the biggest anti it was just sort of like, oh my god, here it is. And he literally snaps it in half and chucks it away. Yeah, it's like, I was like yeah. What the fuck? are you just, that was the mo- are you having a fucking laugh? That cannot be. So my <laughs> my question is, that can't be the most powerful one in the world. If it's the most powerful one in the world has to be indestructible. It has to be. I, yeah. th- I feel like that was a massive it's gotta be yeah, put away flaw. And and what a cool part of the story if he, that he'd have found a way of concealing it. But then, and this is the again when you talk about inception, like you think about it for years after You've got this one that he's now obtained. He can't yeah. snap it and throw it away, so now no one can use it. But he has to find a way of going, right, I'm going to keep it here. Yeah, End of plug, film. Plug it so, or something. Yeah, yeah, he has to do something. So that there's also this feeling after it's all finished of, could there ever be another film? Because that one could yeah. be gotten yeah. again. And that would be, that would keep this momentum going. Oh, that, yeah. So that, that for me. Big yeah, question. no, I've not really thought about that, but now you say it, yeah, totally. It's almost like she was running out of words and it's like, yeah, just just snap it, mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that was her point. Maybe she thought it would just be ironic that it's that you can accidentally break it in half. Like, yeah, all that effort Voldemort yeah, went to, to get it in his hands. <laughs> Any Harry Potter fans, please, feel, if there's information I don't know, because that could be the case about yeah. this one that is worth knowing, please do not <laughs> let us know. I'm not interested. Uh, okay, next one. Craig says, is there anything you would like to bring back into catering and things that you were glad have been binned? For example, I'd bring back the Bernie in floater coffees any day. What are they? I don't know what they are. Well, they, yeah, well, there's something we don't put on the menu. I think they're shite, floater coffees. <laughs> so you know where you make a coffee with, say, like, God knows, some whiskey in, yeah. and then you float the cream on top of it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Floater coffee. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the word floater's just awful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, dreadful. Yeah, it means one thing to me. Is that the same um, thing to put like uh, vanilla ice cream in? 
Uh, no, no, is that not, not the same? What they call no, that? it's like cream. There's there's a way you do it with like single cream, but oh, like right. the cheap cheap way is semi whipping it a touch to thicken it so the air helps it sit. Okay. Why would, do, why do you reckon do why do you reckon Craig wants to bring that back? Do people do some people love that? Do they? I don't know. People request them and like do yeah, they? front of house staff hate it when they come on order. Especially when it's not on the menu and you, yeah. you know, you're busy, you got to piss around trying to make cream float on top of <laughs> coffee. You know, you got to get the, the the spoon hot or something and pour it on. I don't oh, really, really know. I've never even heard of it. That's a, that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah, are there any fads that you want to bin or ones you want to bring back? Or ones I'm glad of gone. Yes. <laughs> I wrote down. Uh, yeah, um, the sweet trolley, I think, is just awful. I just hate sweet trolley. I hated it at college. Yeah. Um, see it in the odd restaurant um yeah i just think they're awful like they might look beautiful when you do them up uh-huh. but cook a cut a couple of slices of gatto and it just looks awful and it, <laughs> you know, they're generally not refrigerated and that's probably why they all, all went because you know you got dairy just sat there like you know, ready yeah. to kill people it goes a slightly different color on the edges yeah, yeah yeah um i would like to see which is um yeah, again more showing off front of house i would like to see more like skilled garadon service so Garadon service, like the, you know, at the table service, either like carving birds or you know cooking or just you know, just finishing things at mm. the side of the table. I think it's great theatre and something you know it's a real skill to do that in front of guests. And oh, it's... mate, I'm so glad you said that because that was mine. I, I oh, was it? yeah, it was. Um, um, more, I mean, sort of more traditionally speaking, because yeah. it's probably one of the most famous ones is stuff like the crepe suzette. You know, like oh, doing yeah, yeah. because I, and I know that specific example is a bit of a dated sort of dessert, but why? Because it's so delicious. Mm. I really, I love them, but it was also mm. a bit that bit of theatre and drama. Of course, not limited to just crepe suzette, but that idea of coming and finishing stuff off at the table. The chef, I know a lot of you know in a lot of places now, chefs come out and they also talk you through what you're about to eat. But the idea of finishing it off at the or pouring stuff on for you, I actually love that. That theatre, that interactivity. Mm. It's part of what I feel like you're paying for. Yeah, exactly. Now I, I do. I've got loads of time for it, especially with the skill. And it, you know, it highlights the skill and celebrates front of house staff more. Yeah. You know, it's like the same with like a, a cheese trolley. You know, I hate cheese, obviously, <laughs> but I appreciate a really good cheese trolley in a good restaurant. And it when it's delivered by somebody who knows their stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, you absolutely. Know, serving the right stuff, and it, it does. It just, especially end of, end of a meal when it's getting. Yeah, people have had a few drinks and they're just interacting mm. with the staff more. Oh, yeah, it just brings more engagement. Hundred percent, um, and it's me- it's memorable for those reasons. You're, oh, you're, it is. I, yeah. I, as soon as you said that, then I remembered. Um, it must be five years ago now, maybe six years ago shit uh, me and Haley went to the champignon sauvage in oh, yeah. cheltenham and they had that big cheese cart it was literally yeah. a cart mm. and though you know we sat we were actually talking to them for ages about it before we selected a couple to try but yeah it just adds so much to the experience it makes it feel so much more interactive and you learn as well yeah yeah it does it does unfortunately it's something we can't do at salt because it's so small any yeah, yeah. kind of trolley or garadon it's just nobody would be able to get up to go toilet sure, <laughs> so yeah, tight. that's true the only um, the only thing that doesn't oh, it's not cringy but you know i can't help but do this anyway i don't know about you but you know when like you've ordered something and then you see the table next to you they've ordered it as well and you can't help but like try and look and steal a glance yeah if you're doing that like making stuff at the table and you're literally a meter apart you can't help but be completely distracted and watch the table next to you mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then that sort of like defeats the point a bit because you then yeah. know what's coming in half an hour. Um, yeah, I know I what you know mean. How, impossible. Without pulling a curtain round like an hospital. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what else you can do with that. Really, yeah. And then, again, that's the skills of the front of house and being able to engage with people just to make it a slightly different experience when they're delivering. If it is, a, say, a cheese trolley, if, if your table next to you has had it already, mm. you know, just bring in the you know, bringing a slightly different chat to them. Yes, you know, and, yeah. And just changing up like a little a bit. I think yes. that's the skill. That's not, not just, script. Yeah. this is that cheese, this is that cheese. You eat that with that cheese. Just making it more personable. That's an underrated part of front of house, actually, to not oh, really have is. the, you know, I mean, in year, for years of doing podcasts and radio, it's really easy to come off Justin Bieber mm-hmm. for the hundredth time that's that week in the same way. Yeah. And yeah. then suddenly listeners who have listened every day are starting to feel like, well, this is, it's the same old, and you don't want to hear the same old patter going around to every table because it doesn't feel like a personal experience. Then does it? Exactly. That's exactly. an underrated skill, front of house for sure. And you've got to, um, you know, any good front of house knows you've got to be able to talk to every guest or party differently. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's what I encourage my guys to do. You know, you, if they're feeling a bit more relaxed and free and like they want to have a bit of fun, you know, you mm-hmm. can you can change your, your the way you talk a bit and not your accent. Start going French. Can you imagine how much that freak people out if you're like scouse to this table, brummy to this table? Like, what is going on in here? That'd be hilarious though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, Craig also follows up that question, and we thought we'd include this actually. With what were your views on Gordon's interview with Rishi from the other day? And for those that didn't see that, the Chancellor sat down with like a video chat with um, uh, Gordon Ramsay to talk about the hospitality industry. But it did get a mixed reception from what I saw. I've not watched yeah. the whole video through. I've just seen a few clips. But what what was your perspective? Yeah, I've watched mate? the whole thing. Um because I'd seen that question the other day, I thought, oh, I should have a, have a proper watch because I'd only seen clips. Uh, I saw mainly negative, personally, from people on yeah. on Twitter, which, in my opinion, is just fucking bullshit. Like, the the amount of negative... I see absolutely no issue with it, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, happy to you know, talk at length of anyone, why not? Because, I don't know, it just felt like a lot of people were just giving him shit because he's a millionaire. And you, know, yeah. you forget the fact that he's working class guy and he's worked incredibly fucking hard and got to where he's got um i think the one thing actually like looking at the objective we have to put aside like, like let's look at what it is it's the tour is pr opportunity they've chose gordon ramsay mm-hmm. a lot of people get in the knickers and the twist because they chose gordon ramsay but why wouldn't they choose one of the most successful restaurateurs the uk's yeah. ever produced sure. major employer mm-hmm. there's a lot of negativity about a lot of people saying he sacked 500 staff at the start now, I've read all sorts of different info about that, so I don't think you should just take a bit of information, Cast jump on that. Cast on it, yeah. Because I, I know there's another side to that, um, so I don't think it's right for us to judge because he's a major employer. Uh, he's inspired thousands of people. Why wouldn't they go to him? Who's yeah. you know massively successful, inspirational, um, done really well. And he, yeah, they're not just going to come talk to the Tories, anybody... Um, because like, say say I was speaking to Rishi, I'd probably just uh, stick it to him a bit about yeah. certain things, sure. like the curfew and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, they they like let's think about it realistically. Then they're not going to put that out, are they? No, no chance. No. Mate. Yeah, good point. So you've got to put that to the side and think. Okay, yes, it's a PR opportunity. I thought it was very positive, and they're, obviously their push, their brief was like, let's make this positive about moving forward, because a lot of it was about moving forward. What can mm-hmm. we do? And someone like Gordon Ramsay has a big responsibility of this industry moving forward because he inspires so many people. Well, that's the thing. Um, I think that's so easy to forget when you see the people on Twitter reacting badly to it. And I have to say, a lot of those were people working within the industry mm, that that they know maybe better or don't want to hear from him because they're a bit jealous of how successful he's got. Yeah. Uh, But at the end of the day, it sounds really shallow, but he's a massive celebrity name. Yeah. Thousands of people that engage with him and his different shows and cookbooks and have done for maybe like 25 years. It's a big deal for the Conservatives to land him because mm-hmm. they'll think this is fucking Gordon Ramsay. Like, you know, so it's you can see why they did it. And I think the backlash yeah. has been a bit over the top, to be honest. Yeah, I think if you want to, if you do want to try and break it down and criticize, then I think that should be towards the Tories and what they've done. It's not. Gordon Ramsay's responsibility to hold them to account personally and attack them about what has been done and what hasn't been done. He was talking about his experiences. And he's perfectly within his rights to do that. Yeah. And one one of the other things he got knocked for, which again, I think because I, you know, I don't, I haven't just jumped on it like a lot of people. Like he started a TV program, right? Uh, people jumping jumping on. Well, I wish I had thought of starting a TV program. Obviously, ninety nine point nine percent of us can't. Yeah. But you've got to not be so fucking narrow-minded and actually think that it's not just about him. That TV programme has employed loads of people, producers, cameramen. All these people are working in industries where they're self-employed. They're not getting paid anything. So it's a positive thing. Not not just about Ramsay getting another gig and making more money. It's about this industry that's aside from hospitality yeah. where these people are earning earning money earning a living absolutely so it's supporting everybody else it's not as it's not as uh you know it's not as small as just thinking about oh it's ramsey's opened another tv program it's easy yeah exactly like it's so, that's just so narrow-minded mm. and it's like a ripple effect isn't it you just forget how you know you see a tv show and you think oh it's just gordon ramsey and the camera guy getting paid 
Yeah. It's like, God, yeah. it's directors, producers, editors. Then if that gets sold to a channel, the channel pay for it. Say it's Channel 4. Mm-hmm. They then sell advertising off of that. So all those yeah. advertising companies, like it's, we're talking the rippers, yeah. hundreds of people. The PR people, the marketing people. It, yeah, it's massive. massive. So just him doing that, I'm not saying he's a hero, but no, no, things no. like that are really positive that they were able to do that for other people. Yeah, for sure. Like, and it, it like, it's slightly off point, but like it's that whole sort of ignorant cancel thing. Like take, it's quite an extreme example, but take Kevin Spacey. For example, right when you know, obviously what he did was fucking wrong, and he's now out of the public um, spotlight. And there was this massive debate of do they get rid of uh, House of Cards? And I remember thinking, like my initial reaction was like, yeah, they should. But then when I read more into it and didn't just react, it's like, well, it's not just about him. There's hundreds yeah. of people that are involved in that. You look through yeah. the credits, hundred. They were going to cancel the show completely. Mm. And so well, why should they? This, this affects hundreds of innocent people. Yeah. You know, they have to carry on in some other way. So like in the same vein, it's not just about the person that you see. Exactly. That's a great point, mate. Let alone the cast members who are the other big lead roles in that show that it might be the biggest thing they've ever done. Yeah, yeah. And if that got, gets cancelled, their reputation's tarnished because of a guy they happen to work with. Yeah. That'd be mental, wouldn't it? It'd be like saying... Your salt got closed down because one of the waiters did something ridiculous. Exactly. So like, you're so, like, why would you suffer for that? Like, mm, yeah. It's nothing yeah. to do with you. Exactly. Crazy. Good, exactly. good chat, mate. Right, next mm. one. Um, this is from Rubbertoe4, one of my favourite names we've probably had on this podcast. <laughs> um, if you could redo your training as a young chef today, which chefs and kitchens would you want to work for? So if you went through, I suppose you touched on it a little bit earlier about no regrets or anything, but if you go back, would you train at a different place? Would you go, try and stage somewhere different? Yeah, probably would. And it's a really exciting time for a young chef or waiter uh, or anyone in hospitality really to um, you know, start their career now because there's so many different restaurants and hotels you can work in. There's so many more opportunities the hospitality is in a much better place. Yeah. Um, the world is much smaller with the internet. So they've got a much better chance of success and they've got much more exposure to really good, good high level places, different varieties of places, um, places that are Michelin level or five star level that are much more approachable than they were 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. So yeah. you know, I think, yeah, if I am now, it's, yeah, I'd totally do things differently because there'd be more opportunities for me. But I don't know. I'd probably, I'd probably travel more. Um, you know, work in somewhere with a completely different culture and food style to what I've ever done or understand. So, like Japan, for instance, yeah. with someone like that, just really learn what they Something what they do as a chef to party. Imagine spending a couple of years out there in your younger years, like when I was doing it over here, mm. um, Scandinavia. Do more time in USA. Just so it's such a hard question because there's yeah, so many opportunities. It's, it's spoiled for choice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I, it's hard. It's sort of almost. I suppose the next, the newest generations of chefs that are in that position where they can go and travel. Yeah, in a in a like pandemic aside world, mm. the opportunity compared to say even you know twenty thirty years ago is mental. Like the access you could get. Exactly. And there's and and the overall standard of restaurants has gone up. Yeah. So it's not it's not like even now. I could probably if I wanted to train completely in Japanese cuz I wouldn't even have necessarily have to go to Japan anymore. Mm-hmm. You could go to New York and London and to certain you go to Michelin star Japanese restaurants in in New York yeah. and London. And that's just that that the game's changed completely and you're spoiled for choice. Yeah, and just think how good the the mid market of say your independence is now as well your brasseries, your bistros, and your pubs, and the standard of them now mm. to what they were when I started cooking. There was hardly anywhere yeah. just decent mid-level price to go and eat. Mm-hmm. Hardly anywhere at all. It was you know yeah we've still got lots of chains, um, but that that's all there really was mid-level then. There was the odd independent, but now you know the, the like the the gastro pub push really helped that. Um, yeah, so so much opportunity. But yeah, I'd you know if I was speaking to my younger self or you know somebody who wanted to wanted some ideas who's younger in their career then i'd be you know i'd say just really look at the places you want to work and not just that's got a star or two or three or yeah like don't look at it superficially don't don't just be 
you know, just look at the culture of the environment, the culture of the country. Just try and get as much as you can out of the whole experience so rather cool. than I'm going there because two stars is great on my CV. Yes. Because yeah. that was kind of what you had to do. Bit, that's a superficial motivation, isn't it? You want to go with an authentic, con- I want to connect to this. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. just learn it. I want to like absorb it. And you'll get so much more out of it. Nice. Great yeah. advice there, buddy. Um, what, what about you? Um... What in terms of what? in terms of your career and wow. um, you know would you have done anything differently? Yeah, that's a I I actually hadn't thought about it for me, but um, I don't know. I it's a weird one because I didn't I didn't go to university, but I got into media quite early and did the classic thing of working for free for ages mm. to then get the gigs that then sort of got me on the the path. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't do that differently because I don't think I'd be in any any different place if I'd have trained in media any differently. Yeah. So I don't think I've got any regrets from that point of view. Um, I think the only the, the I'll be transparent. The only thing I jostle with sometimes is like with the media industry, especially like we talked about it a bit then with like cameramen, editors, and stuff. There's a lot of like, uh, it's so hard to maintain a career in it the, mm. all the time. Yeah. Um. You can obviously get full-term contracts and stuff, but you, there is always an element of I'm lucky to have the job I've got. You know, I, my, yeah. my nine-to-five is, is just talking on the radio. And a part yeah. of me almost it doesn't feel guilty, but I almost feel like, oh, it's a wave that will eventually have to end because of the nature yeah. of the industry. It's not like when you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, you know, you're just on that path until you retire. There's mm-hmm. an element of this that feels like it will just, like, uh, let's just make okay. hay while the sun shines. Yeah. And see how yeah. long I can get away with getting paid. <laughs> get away. Do... Yeah. That's how you feel. Like, it's, well, I don't know how everyone feels, but a part, a part of me feels like, how long can I get away with doing this? Because this is. Like ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's spot on. But yeah, like, and maybe that's, maybe that's actually because I love it. Like, yeah, how long can I get away with doing a radio show and doing like this podcast with you and a couple of other bits? How long can I get away with chatting for money yeah about stuff i love that's all i do yeah and a part of me feels lucky that i just get to do that and get paid because there's a lot of people that that try and fail so i feel lucky for that yeah oh, but i don't good. i don't think i'd retrain no i don't think no. i think i'd have done this I, I think i'd have still just gone for the work experience route with with media specifically yeah yeah oh good good yeah. question though that one um okay i want to move on to a story now that we got sent in and i do encourage you guys to send us these because i think they could be absolutely brilliant yeah um, please do gary has blazed a trail here and he sent <laughs> us a question a uh, uh, story sorry based off a question we had on last week's podcast that question was about cowboy methods which essentially are shit shortcuts. So, ba- yeah. you know, w- w- workarounds that don't actually work, but they are swift. And Gary sent this to us, and I thought we should read it out because it was brilliantly written. So here we go. He says, hi, Simon and Paul. I've left this first bit in just for our egos. I'm a huge fan of the pod and wanted to say well done for all your fantastic work. It's really helped me through lockdown, and each new episode is something I look forward to every few weeks. Saturday morning, and I'm sat at home making pizza listening to the latest Ask Us Anything, hearing you talk about the cowboy method. It has me in stitches. I had this conversation recently with another chef who told me possibly the greatest slash worst cowboy story I've heard. He was working in a five-star hotel doing the breakfast shift when a new chef joined the kitchen. My buddy said he'd start him off with some easy jobs, so he asked him to prepare eggs for scrambled eggs on the buffet. Thinking the guy couldn't fuck it up, he went off to do his own prep. When he went back to check up on how he was doing a while later, he found the chef standing over an old oil bucket which he had filled with 200 eggs, still in their shell, and with a large-scale immersion soup blender in his hands as he pulverised the contents of the bucket. Horrified, my mate inquired what the hell this cowboy was doing, to which he happily replied that this is how he always makes scrambled eggs, by blitzing them with a soup gun before passing them through a fine sieve. Teetering on the brink of genius and insanity, I'm sure this cowboy thought he was closer to the former, but for me, he has to be just another gunslinger in the wild, wild west. Thanks again for all the fantastic pods, Gary. 
amazingly well written, Gary. Very, very well written, yeah. What a great story, though. Oh, what a dirty bastard. Dirty little fucker. 200 eggs, blitz them with shells on, and then... That actually doesn't sound quicker to me, the idea of passing them through a sieve. That would take ages, wouldn't it? Oh, it would, yeah. It would. What, What is he thinking? Yeah. Yeah, and then the blending of it. No. Yeah, it's, it's... I don't know what to start. I don't even know where they're, yeah. what they're thinking here. No, I don't know. But, um, he, like, you should, like, say 200 eggs, right? Get them ready for scrambled egg. If I asked a non-chef that, if I asked you that, yeah. you'd crack 200 eggs, Of course eggs, I would. Of course yeah, I would. That's yeah. it, and you're not a chef. So you yeah. hire an agency chef in. You shouldn't have to be teaching them that <laughs> shit. He's the reason. Eggs. People like him are the reason we've got warning labels, don't drink on bleach bottles. <laughs> yeah. And we have to do bullshit training, like, of the most ridiculous, commonsensical things. Yeah, so right. Um, the people like this cowboy. Oh, God. Yeah, what? what, what? You, you, the other thing that stood out to me, and I don't know whether it's just me, but Obviously, these eggs are unfertilized, and I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, yeah. But there's something really horrific in my brain about having 200 eggs and then blitzing them with the shells on. It's just yeah, yeah, I, yeah, you're probably there's, right. There's something in my head that's just like, oh, this is really... It just feels really like... I don't know what the word is. It feels dirty. Yeah, it yeah. just feels like, oh, God, like that's such a... It, it feels disrespectful to the eggs and oh. the chickens that laid them to blitz them whole. Like there's something just really grotesque about it. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm just really curious as well because I've never done or seen that. <laughs> what it would cook like? Because some of that oh, is going to really break down. Some no. of that is going to go yeah, through yeah. the sieve. Because when you you're breaking it down super fine, so exactly. some of that is going to be in it. Hundred percent. What's the texture going to be like? Even I've noticed sometimes. You know, when you crack an egg, maybe on a surface that's not sharp, so it almost dents it rather than cracks it. Yeah. Sometimes you get almost a bit of like sawdusty shell. That yeah. Pops out over the kitchen surface. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That really yeah. fine, almost sand mm. shell. So that you're right. That there must be loads of that in the eggs. Yeah. So Blech. it's going to be a weird texture, that, isn't it? Dirty shit. Did you see, randomly, like, slightly linked to that, uh, Marco Pierre White put on his um, Instagram a video of him just cracking eggs. Did he? That's it. How to crack an egg. (laughs) Have a look. Was there any top tips in there or was it literally just like... Just cracking eggs. Brilliant. That's it. He sat there just cracking eggs. He got thousands (laughs) of likes and watches watches for it. (laughs) Um, Oh, actually, quick question on cracking eggs. I, uh, it's a bit of a show-offy thing to do, but um, there's something quite satisfying about cracking an egg with one hand. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, and you it's, crack it with one hand and you split it with your fingers, and then and then that is satisfying yeah. when you nail that, and it looks yeah, impressive. It, feel like the Fonz. You do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice one. I think we should end it there. I think that was brilliant from Gary. I love that story. I think and that's perfect. I encourage you guys. We we want more stories like this. So if you've seen any cowboy methods going around your kitchens or anything like that in hospitality, and you want to send them in like Gary did. We are more than happy to read them out. Exactly. Yeah, um, more the better. Definitely. And in the meantime, just keep sending your questions to us. You can DM us, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us at the nightcap underscore pod on all those platforms. And uh, yeah, I think we'll probably go again next week and we'll just keep going until lockdown lifts and we can get those chef guests. We'll probably Absolutely. start booking people soon. Can't yeah, we? probably. Yeah, probably can do. Oh, yeah, I can't we'll wait chat to about get that. recording again. Nice one. Cool. Uh, cool. Have a great week, guys, and we'll catch you soon. Cheers, mate. Cool. See you later.